Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. We thank you for our worship team and leading us in these beautiful songs. And this, even this last song, God, was so full of your spiritual truth. Uh, All power belongs to you. Our our weaknesses are hidden in your glory and your strength. And we just can't thank you enough. And I pray that the remainder of this day that we might worship you in our actions and and, and, our, and how we listen to the truth. And I just uh, we just love you and thank you and ask these things in your name. Amen. Before you see it, would you meet and greet your neighbors? Good to see everyone this morning. Uh, as you get seated, uh, would you please pass the friendship folders down the aisle? That's a big help to us. Uh, a few announcements. A lot of them are happening next week. Uh, Financial Peace University class starts next week. Uh, you'll see a, a, there's a sign-up in the bulletin. Uh, these are uh, for, for those looking to manage their money God's way. This is a really good thing. I know my kids talk about this all the time. Uh, and I, I just want to really encourage you to sign up. Also, next Sunday, we start the foundation class. For those looking to build that foundation of the core truths of Christianity, this is, I just really want you to think about this. Everyone should do this. This is very important. Uh, I, I, uh, I want to highly recommend that as well. Now, on a, on a fun note, uh, next Sunday also, after the second service, Anyone in, interested in helping our, our people uh, with the egg hunt, would you please meet uh, after the second service? I know they, they have our guys, our work, our work crew, making these slingshot things. we got four of them made down in the garage. And, man, I, I found out they make this one slingshot. It shoots uh, 300 yards. So I ordered two for myself. So. I did. I ordered two for myself. The grandkids don't know it. I'll be able to hit them at 300 yards. I, 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 I got one of them all of us. I almost brought it in, but I thought that, that'll get too silly. Okay. Now, on, next week, or no, no, next week, excuse me, tonight at 6 o'clock, uh, Kenny's, Kenny's up with Pastor Josh up in um, Newcastle, but uh, tonight he'll be back. They're going to have an Ecuador mission trip meeting uh, tonight at 6. Ecuador is... I went a couple years ago. I had a blast. I really did. And I want to encourage you, uh, if there's any push of God on your heart, please come. I know with this virus deal, they'll have to figure out whether if they can go or not. But he's going to go sometime, I guarantee you. So please come. I want to really encourage you. I, I was telling the first service, their temperature down there, they're in Quito, I think. It's near the equator, so you think it would be nasty hot. It's 50 every night and 70 during the day. 
I, it's unbelievable. At night, you know, I had just had a T-shirt on. Those people got like wool coats on, you know. And uh, we had about 40 people went down there. We had a good time. I see Scotty. Scotty Ford was down there. We had a real good time. I want to encourage, if you can, the missionary down there is wonderful. They love the people. The people are beautiful down there. So let me encourage you to do that. All right, now, so Kenny's up with Josh. So they pull some shenanigans off here, guys. They're gonna, they videotape something for you. Crossroads, I'm glad to be up here this morning with Pastor Josh Watts, okay. pastor of City Church, Newcastle. You yeah. all have been praying for him, and you've been supporting Josh and Shannon with our birthday gift to Jesus offering. And uh, I'm thrilled today. He's asked me to come and speak in his church. I'm thrilled. Luke, Pastor Luke will be speaking back there. But today, I'm having fun with our church planner. Josh, say a word to Crossroads. Man, I'm glad to be here. It's uh, spring forward day. I didn't have to preach. Having Ken here, it's uh, awesome. Um, I just want to say thank you to uh, Crossroads for all that you've done for us. Um, you have helped us to get this place up and running. And uh, our kids' ministry has uh, all the needs right now to do kids' ministry, our worship team. And, uh, and your gifts and your prayers have all helped to make that happen. So we're excited to have Ken here uh, to, to preach and um, excited for you to, to take part in this and to connect like this. It's very special. We love you. And we're so thankful for you. God bless. Hey, we're thankful for Pastor Josh. Hey, Josh, say hi to your dad. <laughs> hi, Dad. Hi, hi, Mom. There you go. <laughs> Have a great day. God bless. Yeah, I didn't know that was going to happen. All right. As our ushers come forward, uh, we just want to thank you for your giving. And uh, God has really been blessing us uh, in a tremendous way. We want to thank you so much. Dear God, we thank you again for this beautiful day. Thank you that we have a chance to give back to you in many ways. And we pray that our finances will be used of you to, to just bless many people, not only in our church but all over the world. And uh, we just uh, want to entrust you with what you've done for us. And we ask these things in your most beautiful name. Amen. I told Kenny, I said, take a video, and then after that, I instantly was like, oh gosh, what could happen? But uh, he, you know, what's so cool about that video is, he, Ken is who he is, and I, I, he's never going to change. And that's what I love about him. That's, that's one of the things that drew me here, um, is just, he is who he is, and he doesn't change. 
And like that song we sang at the beginning, you know, I am who you say I am. Who's the who? Jesus. You know, I, I'm just blown away by that. And so I'm just I'm thankful for Pastor Ken and glad he was able to go up and, and, and be a part of what God is doing in Newcastle. Guys, there's more. There's stories after stories. Every time Josh is here, he shares. And it's just it just blows my mind the things that they're able to be a part of and, and how the gospel is going forth. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So this morning we're starting a brand new series. We thought we'd get super creative with the title of this series. So we're talking about the parables of Jesus. So we thought we'd come up with a creative title. The parables of Jesus. So, yep, let that settle in. So sometimes it's okay to take the guesswork out of it. Um, and, and, and as we talk about, we're going to talk about a lot of agricultural things. And I'm just going to go ahead and give a um, uh, public service announcement that I, or I guess that a pre-apology that if, if a pun slips out, it's just, I'm a dad, I have four kids, it's going to happen. So if I say things like we're about to dig into this, just let it go. Um, all right. So this morning, I want to I want to share with you a story. This is a true story about a guy who goes up to a flower shop. He walks in nervous, kind of not exactly sure why he's there. Um, I mean, no, he knows why he's there, but he didn't, you know, was not 100 percent that he knew where the shop was. He walks in and he said, sir, I'd like to buy a uh, potted red geranium. The guy behind the counter looks through his stock and. And he says, uh, how about African violets? How will that do? And the guy goes, it's not going to work. My wife strictly told me red geraniums that I had to water them while she was gone. There he goes. So just wanted to uh, just just encourage us to laugh a little bit. It's really good. But I want to I want to get just show of hands. So the guy was supposed to water the plants. He killed them and they had to go buy a new one. So just have some of you are still catching on. Spring forward. I know you lost the whole hour. Um, some of you were like, I thought this was first service. But anyway, um, how many of you, where are my gardeners at? Like you garden, like it's a part of who you are. Come on, gardeners. You got to be like prideful. Come on, people. There we go. Like there's a lady in this church, Betty Stitch, and she heard that I liked, you know, my wife and I do enjoy gardening. I didn't say we're good. I said we enjoy two different things. So she brought me all these these bulbs that she pulled, like five or six bags, and I'm telling you, they're starting to come up, and it's just it's just so cool. So I'm thankful for my gardener friends. Um, but if if I want a plant or if I want a vegetable, I'm probably going to go to the store. But did you guys know that you can buy a little packet from the store and you can rip it open and you can put a seed in the ground and it requires much more work than dumping water and sun. But I will tell you that it is incredibly satisfying to be able to plant a garden. It really is. In fact, my uh, my wife's great grandmother lived to be almost 100 years old, and she would garden barefoot. She's what she did. She just that's what she did. And so I'm I'm, I'm seeing a lot of of themes and people living longer just by gardening, like getting in the dirt, and being involved with that. So if I want a vegetable, if I want a plant, I'm probably going down the store. And I feel like that'd be most of you. You probably don't sustain your uh, fridge by going out and pulling something. If you do, man, God bless you. That's wonderful. But I want to tell you that the farmer that we're going to talk about today is not like the farmer we have now. The men and women who, who are farmers of America are incredible people, truly incredible people. These men and women with, with tractors and combines and, and, and a lot of chemical processes. And it, it's very, it's, it's, there's engineering. It's so much more than just simply planning. It's so much more. Than, and, I, and I'm blown away and so thankful because truly America literally feeds the world. It's unbelievable. 
Um, and we live out somewhat in the country, and I see the guys, and I talk to them as much as I can. They're, one, they're incredible people. Like, they work hard. Um, and it's just unbelievable. But the farmer we're going to talk about today is a little bit different. So it's not as, it's more of a common farmer. So this person doesn't have the skills, doesn't have all the, the supplies, and doesn't have all of the, um, you know, the resources that our farmers have today. And so just to make sure that we're not connecting the same thing, because these farmers that walked in Jesus' day, they, um, they were common people. You know, they would buy the seed and they would reach into their bag and, and really it wasn't anything more than they would do their best to scatter the seed. So as they scatter the seed, they do their best to get it, get as much of it as they can out and try to get it in, in the good soil. But in, in reality, we know that it hits other places. And so when the farmer scatters the seed, it actually in this story. So we'll be in Matthew 13, but I want to tell you that this story is actually in Luke and in Mark. We're just going to. Dig in to Matthew 13. OK, so you can put your finger in there and we'll get back to Matthew 13. It'll also be on the screen as well. But here are four places where the seed falls. So check this out. Some of it falls on a hard packed pathway. This was the pathway around the fields. Uh, it was trampled on. It was walked on. This is where um, the, the farmer would walk as he would scatter the seed. So it's 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 hard. Right. Um, and then there's the shallow seed, the shallow soil. And this is where. You know, the, the ground, the dirt's probably about that, that thick. It's real, real, real shallow. Um, and there's actually hard packed rock. And we'll talk about that in a minute, more about what that looks like. So that's the second one is the shallow soil. And the third one is the weedy ground. So this is the, the ground that's actually decent soil, but it's full of weeds, right? The fourth one, this is the fertile ground. This is the good soil. And, and when the seed goes into it, it, it grows and it, it becomes this bountiful crop. Now, I want to tell you that Jesus is telling a parable here. So this is a earthly story with a heavenly meaning, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so there's two things that Jesus is trying to accomplish here. He's trying to make it meaningful and memorable. He's trying to make it meaningful and memorable. He wants them to, to like to remember it. He wants to memorize it. He wants them to take it to heart. And the second is he wants them to go being like, what's the meaning behind this? He wants them to dig into it. And so right before this in Matthew 12, Jesus is in a house. He's right next to the shore of Galilee and he is He's, he's colliding headfirst with these Pharisees, right? So he's got this really divisive clash with these Pharisees. And then he steps out of the house, and here's where we pick up the story. So in Matthew 13, verses 1 and 2, here's where we pick up uh, our passage this morning. So it says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. The reasoning why he was in a boat was probably because there were so many people. This is early on when Jesus started his ministry, and so he's in a boat so he's not being crushed by the people, right? And actually, this is just a, a you know, this is a, a, a like licensed, you know, people are trying to understand uh, context, but just to give you a visual. What's cool is there's actually somewhat of an amphitheater type setting because as Jesus is talking the Sea of Galilee right on the shore, it's where the, it's very windy, there's breezes coming through and it actually commentaries knowing that that land have actually said that it could carry your voice up. And so what's so cool is even here, no technology, no live streaming, none of that. But the message of Jesus will not be halted by a location. Jesus is talking probably to thousands of people. Men, women, children. And so as we open this up, I want to share a little bit about the people that were probably there. So these are people that have heard about Jesus. They've heard about, you know, they've heard the rumors. And we know how fast word takes. Like, 
guys, if somebody says something before I can even like walk over here, the person that I bump into goes, did you hear? Like it happens so fast, right? And so word of mouth travels like wildfire. They're hearing about this Jesus. I mean, guys, if we were here and, and one of you got a text or was reading on social media because let's, let's just be real. You know what I mean? We're doing something and we hear about news. We, we're, we're chattering. So, so like people are hearing about it. They're talking about this Jesus, whether they agree with it or not, or they're scared, they're intimidated. So the people that show up to this, I would think there's probably about three different people. So the first one, they're your skeptics. They're your arms crossed in the back. These are, you know, these are common people. These are people going, what is it that you, talking to Jesus, what is it that you are going to say that's going to have anything to do with my life that would make me want to change my life to follow you? Or, I've heard this, I want to see what this person's all about. I had nothing else to do today. I'm off today. They're not smiling. In fact, honestly, they're probably threatened. They're intimidated. They're skeptical. They're hard-hearted. They're sitting there again just sharing like, what are you going to say to me today? But they're drawn. They can't explain it, right? They've heard about this Messiah probably offhand, maybe from a friend or a family member. And they're going, is this true? But they're still hard-hearted. You know, Pastor Ken has always shared that skeptics are welcome, and I can't agree more. Skeptics are always welcome. It's true. We're so glad that for some of you, you're going like, I'm not sure I understand everything. I'm not sure if I agree with it. And you're kind of skeptical. We're glad you're here. Keep coming back. And what I love is that, that we share that, not because this is a brand new creative thing, but because that's how Jesus modeled it. He welcomes skeptics. And then here's the second crew is the seekers, right? So these are your, like, I'm really, like, I'm, I'm really open, but I'm very cautious. So they're probably in the middle. They're probably, like, listening. They're probably trying to corral their kids because, let's say, real life is just as real as it was then as it is now. <laughs> Shh. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and they probably had some context that they probably knew a little bit about the Old Testament prophets. So they knew a little bit about, you know, the, they've heard about this Jesus, this, or this Messiah, um, this long awaited Messiah. And so they're there because they maybe have a little bit of knowledge about that. Right. So then you have the third crew, which is your sincere. These are probably the people that were towards the front. They probably were like, listen, I've heard about Jesus. Like, I believe I believe. They've seen him. And so at this time, Jesus' ministry is gaining so much popularity, right? So crowds, this is really like, you don't really see a ton of crowds in Jesus. Like Jesus mostly was with smaller groups of people. But here, when Jesus teaches parables, he's teaching to usually crowds. And so there's so many people that it pushes him back to the boat. And as we dive in, I just want to challenge us to think about something. You know, when Jesus is sharing this message... All were listening. But Jesus knows that not all would accept his message. Jesus knew that all were listening, but not all would accept his message. And so as we dive in, I want us to consider the soil of our heart, to consider our receptivity to the word of God. What does the soil of our hearts look like? How are we responding to the word of God? Arms crossed? Or are we more like, hey, Jesus on a Sunday, but I'm distracted Monday through Saturday. Are we ready to hear the word of God? Are we hardened, shallow, distracted? Or are our hearts ready to hear the word of God? And so as we, as we prepare to read and, and to, to really to dive in more, I'm going to pray and just ask God to just open our hearts. Because we're going to read at the end is only God can plow the soil of our hearts. Lord, as we continue to open this up and to read, I pray that our hearts would be open more than ever. 
Holy Spirit, would you move? Would you open our ears up even more? Would you uh, just dilute and move away the distractions that we're struggling with even now? We're worrying about what's coming up after this. We're worrying about our kids. We're worrying about finances. We're worrying about when the next paycheck's happening. We're worrying about so many things that are distracting us. And God, I'm, I'm in that. I'm in that mix. I pray that right now as we read that you would just speak to us, that we would hear your word in a way that we've never heard it before. Would you move in a powerful way this morning as we read your word, as we exalt you and worship you, Jesus? We love you so much in your name. Amen. So in verse 3, let's keep moving. So in verse 3, Jesus starts off, so it kind of gives a precursor. It says, he told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. So here Jesus is talking, right? You can see the quotes on the screen. He says, listen, right? A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. The soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, others fe- other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as it had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. I don't know about you, but as I read about the farmer scattering seed, I think about, it seems pretty reckless, but I think there's something powerful here. And I think it's just a little bit of a picture of God's trying to tell us that he's not trying to be exclusive. He wants all to have an opportunity to respond to him. The problem isn't the seed. The problem isn't the sower. The problem is going to be with the response. And so the response we read about here is kind of these four different types of soil. And so Jesus, I want to describe these a little bit more and give a little context. So the roadside soil, again, this is the, this is the soil that is outside kind of lining the fields. This is where all of the farmers would walk. And so it would be hard. It was like concrete. There were, there were birds that were probably waiting for seed to hit the ground. And if it didn't get baked up in the sun, they would eat it. I'm sure some of you can relate to the seeds that you planted and then you walked out like maybe an hour later and there's like two little squirrels sitting there with your seeds on a little stick and a fire and looking at you like, what are you, like crazy, like free food, right? You know what I mean? And I remember my my neighbor said, hey, don't plant those there. You're going to get eaten by deer. And I said, no. Next day, knocked on his door. Hey, Ken, he goes, he goes, what? And I said, guess what? And he goes, your plants got eaten by deer. And I said, yep. And, and, and so my point here is this, the seeds that went right there, they were in plain, they were in plain sun. They got scorched or they would get eaten like there was no hope. Here's the second one, the shallow, rocky soil. And I want to pull up this picture real quick. This is probably what most of us think. But these farmers in Jesus time may not have had a combine. They may not have had tons of skill. They didn't go to school to be a farmer. They had to survive. So they learned. And so they had common sense. They would till the land enough to pull the rocks out. And so what actually the shallow rocky soil was, was it was shallow. It was actually pretty decent soil, but underneath of it was like hard layer of rock. So what would happen is the seed would go in and it would grow, but the roots would be so shallow that as soon as there'd be no water or the sun would be too hot, they'd die. The seeds would actually look healthy and then actually would catch quicker than other seeds. And so you think, man, like these are on, these are like turbo seeds. Like this is great, you know, and then they would die days later, weeks later. 
So that's the second one. The third one is the weed-infested soil. So this is really, the, the weed-infested soil is pretty useless. It had no agricultural purpose. In fact, it was harmful because the, the weeds in the soil, as soon as the seeds would go down, if they would sprout anything, the, the weeds would just choke them out. And then the fourth, the fertile soil, the clean soil, free from weeds, rooms with room for the, the crops to thrive, grow deep roots. This is prepared soil, right? It was out of the bird's sight. It was away from the direct sun. It was just, it was, it was really, really good soil. So 30, 60, 100 fold would be produced out of this soil. And so when Jesus is sharing this, I think it's powerful because he understands their life. In fact, honestly, it actually, commentaries actually had said that as these people were actually listening to Jesus talk, it would not be far off for them to be looking off in the distance and see a farmer actually sowing seed at that time. So real life, like Jesus was hitting them head on. He knew their lives. He knew what they were wrestling with. And so Jesus isn't holding back. Again, we think the problem was he threw the seed in the wrong spot. Well, no, there's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the sower. The problem is with the response. And so right at the beginning, Jesus says, if you guys look in verse three, he says, listen, He's like trying to get them to understand. He's like, listen to what I have to say. Please listen. And so later on, we hear and we read, Jesus uses the word here like four or five other times. He's like trying to get them to listen. Listen to what I'm telling you. Listen to what I'm saying. Hear these words. If you have ears, hear. So this parable is all about hearing God's word. Each soil received the seed differently, just like All of us receive God's word differently. So after Jesus talks about the, the, the seeds and, the, and the, the soils they go into, his disciples who were with him, right? They weren't like buddies where they hung out and saw each other like once a week. They were with Jesus. They lived with Jesus. They did life together. They were like the extreme life group. Like you'd wake up, you're like, whoa, I didn't know you were here. <laughs> you know what I mean? They did life together. They were with Jesus all the time. And so... Even then, even then, because they did life together, even they were with Jesus, they still questioned, they still asked. And so in verse 10, his disciples came and asked him, why do you, why do you use parables when you talk to people? I just want to be like a fly on the wall. Jesus is like, oh, I'm Jesus. You're not, you know, like you just have to imagine like God has a sense of humor. Like, but you wonder, like, you know, the disciples would ask these questions like, ooh. Peter, come on, man. <laughs> but I just have to imagine that these disciples, were they were intrigued. This is early on in the ministry, so they're still kind of figuring Jesus out. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. In verse 12, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. And this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. In verse 15, for the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. What's so powerful in this moment is, is Jesus is explaining, like, listen, in the Old Testament, they talked about me. 
they talked about this coming Messiah, that a rescuer, that a deliverer would come. And for years and years and years, people hoped and people waited. And then here comes Jesus. And so these people that he's talking to, he's telling them, listen, I'm about to take the lid off. You get the secret of this kingdom that I'm bringing, starting to, because you're with me. But these people, they don't know me like you do. And so he said, for them, I'm actually going to start to take the lid off. Because I'm about to share and help them understand that I'm coming to save them from their sins. And I'm going to rise again. And I'm going to kick death in the face and defeat sin. And he's taking this lid off. And so, so those who, who got what Jesus was saying, they didn't have special ability. These people who were in the crowd listening to Jesus, they didn't have any special degrees. They didn't have any special education. But they had enough interest to go after Jesus for the interpretation. Not one person in that crowd was excluded. And anyone who wanted to truly understand could have asked. You know, back in November, we had the dessert theater practice here. It was pretty late. We're coming back to our house. And I remember getting in the car. And, and those of you with, with, with kids or, you know, those of you who are empty nesters or your kids are grown, they're out of the house. Um, that, like, time between when your kids are exhausted and you get in the car and you get home is like, it's like a precious science. Like if I had one extra limb and I could be sitting back there like tapping my children on the head, please don't fall asleep, please don't fall asleep. Because my kids are pretty transferable, meaning from the car sleeping to their bed. But there's always like that they just slept too long in the car and it's like, I'm up for three hours and it's like 11 o'clock at night and 12 o'clock. And, and so we're at that point where like, I just want to get the kids in the house. Like, I'm a guy. Problem, solution, like, do it now, right? So there's a problem. I want to get them in the house. And so my son, Wyatt, is, of course, not sleeping. He's, like, bright-eyed. And he walks outside. It's pitch black. There's really not a whole lot of lights. There's, we have lights in the chicken coop, and that's about it. And so we're outside. You can't see a whole lot. And he says, Daddy, 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 you've got to come and see. You've got to come and see. You've got to come and see. There's something in the field. And I'm like, great, inside. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, come. Bring your camera. No. Inside. We're going inside. Like, Sleep. That's what we're doing. You know, sleep. The thing, the thing where you put your head down and you close your eyes to sleep. That's what we're going to do. Inside. This is all that I saw. Daddy, 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 you've got to come. Bring your camera. You've got to come. You've got to see this. I'm a skeptic. My wife is in the middle. My boys are like, you know, my daughter, she's, she's still like, you know, in her thing. So she's kind of locked in, you know, and so in the car. And so my two younger boys are like, Woo-hoo! like they're going, they're ready to go. They're like, daddy. And then they're all excited. So Wyatt has, has gone from, <laughs> it's gone from a single to a movement, <laughs> right? So he's got this crew out there like, daddy, you got to see this. And I'm like, house, like house, casa, like house, come on in the house. And, and then finally I go out there and I'm sitting there. So imagine me in our backyard and I'm like, You're killing me, Smalls. What is it that's out there? <laughs> now, the irony of this picture is that the plant in that planter is actually dead. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I will tell you that that came with the house. So, my excuse. But that, my son goes, Dad, your phone can take pictures in the dark. And it's like, you little, you know. All right. So, this is actually what was on up on the hill. There is an eight-point buck in a doe. And I'll tell you that... Um, since we've lived out there, we've seen many of these situations, and they're just beautiful. It's calm. It was cool. 
And here's this eight-point buck, eight-point, nine-point from what I could count, and a doe up on, that, up on the, the hill in their backyard. It was just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And this picture does no justice. My son was so desperate for me to see something. He was going in and out. Daddy, take a picture. He was getting louder and louder. He was getting more excited. Daddy, there's deer. At first, I'm like, I didn't see anything. But then once I dug deeper, once I could see what it was, I had to get deeper. I had to wade into it. I had to get into it. I had to see what I couldn't see at first. And I think this is a really cool picture of what Jesus is saying. And where at first we're like, I don't see anything. Keep looking. Keep asking. Keep digging. God is throwing seed everywhere. And he says in verse 16 and 17 in Matthew 13, he says, But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. All over scripture, we read about God is displayed everywhere. Psalm 19, 1 and 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Romans 1 shares that all of existence shouts God's existence. Jesus in Colossians 1 is the visible image of the invisible God. 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21, God has given us his word. He is displayed in his word. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, people in our lives serve as ambassadors. God is communicating to us through many different ways, and he wants to get his message out. And you know what his message is? It's an invitation. And he wants us to hear it. And I want to tell you, and I want you to know, there is a God in heaven who loves you deeply. And he's throwing seed right now. Because he wants you to hear his message. He wants you to see there's something so much greater than deer sightings in Bentleyville. God wants you to hear a message that no matter where you've been or what you've done or how longer it's been since you've been in church or how much guilt and shame sits in your life right now. Whatever past decision that you've made over this past year that you think there's just no way I could ever tell anybody. Or maybe that's this past week. You need to know there's a God in heaven who loves you. That's the whole gospel message. That is the whole gospel message. There is a world that has been overtaken by, check this. Sin, death, disease, famine, blindness, deafness, hurt, pain, guilt, broken families, broken relationships, unrealized expectations, broken dreams, poverty, hunger, war, more. And here comes Jesus crashing into the world on the scene. Our deliverer, our rescuer as a baby, this long awaited one, the promised one is born to us to offer us hope. And he has come as fully man so he can serve. This is so, catch this. He can serve as our substitute because you cannot be a substitute for that which you are not. He comes as a man so he can take our place, be our substitute, pay our penalty. But he is fully God, so he is without sin. As the God man, fully God, fully man, he has come. Mark 10.45 says this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. God has a message that he wants all of us to understand and he wants all of us to hear. The, the farmer is throwing seed for anyone who will listen. Come and see. Come and see this, Jesus. 
You know, it's not about New Year's resolutions. It's not about trying harder. It's not about bigger, better, harder, faster. It's not about any of that. It's about yielding to Christ. You know, in, in the first chapter of John, we read about John the, the Baptist is, 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 has this, uh, you know, ministry. And before Jesus comes on to play, he's, you know, baptizing people with water. And he keeps talking about this Jesus that is going to come. And then here comes Jesus onto the scene and, and John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Can you imagine being that guy? This is this Jesus. Like, that Behold, that is Jesus. So these people that were following John, he now is pointing to Jesus. He's like, listen, I need to get out of the way so that Jesus can, can, can take you and to, and to really change your life. And so Jesus really gets a hold of this guy named Philip early on and transforms Philip's life. And so Philip, because Philip has been changed by Jesus, Philip goes after a guy named Nathaniel. And there is an exchange that happens between Philip and Nathaniel that I just cannot get out of my head when I think about this. Philip goes to Nathaniel and he says, hey, Nathaniel, come meet Jesus. And what is Nathaniel's response? What good can come out of Nazareth? I mean, what he's saying is he's like, Jesus came out of this place. What good could come out of that? He's a skeptic. But what does Philip do? Philip doesn't argue. He doesn't get on his case for questioning him. He simply says, come and see. You know, it's about accepting that message. But just like then, so today, not all of us will accept that message. And Jesus is going to make that point here in a minute. He says the receptivity of our heart determines how we are going to respond to God's message. So in verses 18 through 23 in chapter 13, Jesus starts to continue to unpack the seeds that fall on the path. So let's, let's jump back into verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The, rock, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. <clears throat> the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as have been planted. So I want to go through these soils once more from a different angle as a heart receiving the word. So here's the roadside here. Unbelief and a love of sin have made the heart a dense rock-like environment where truth cannot possibly penetrate, much less take root. The hearer is therefore oblivious, hopeless, spiritually dead, and totally susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. Jeremiah 19.15 gives us a little picture of this. He says, they have stiffened their necks that they might not hear my words. You know, we think that Jesus is probably talking about an atheist, but Jesus is actually talking about the religious elite, the Pharisees, the scribes. Those were a lot of his audience that day. And so in this, how, 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 does, how does Satan snatch the word of God away from a hardened heart? He uses many avenues. Remember, he is the father of lies. He's diabolical. He confuses people through false teachers. He uses our own human issues like 
fear of what others might think, pride, stubbornness, prejudice. He gains our trust and then he diverts us away from the word. And there, you know, other means might be, you know, you know, this, this message is pretty old. It needs to be updated. Let's take out a few things. Let's add a few things. <clears throat> Let's tone down the power of, a cro- of the cross <clears throat> because it's too offensive. And I'll tell you that as I stand here today and as long as we have breath, we will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and we will use his word, the Bible, as our guide as long as we are on this earth. Because that's all we have. I have the message of Jesus Christ that has changed my life. I can offer you that. And I have the word of God. That's all we have. And we will preach the gospel and we will read the word because that's what we're going to do. So here's the third. Here's the second the second here, the shallow here. So the first one is the roadside here. Here's the, the, the second one, the shallow here. So this is the soil that is really, really not bad, not like pretty good soil, but it's really, really shallow. And it illustrates a shallow hearted person who responds immediately, but only superficially. Chapter 13 in Matthew 21 or 20 through 20 says one says the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they believe, as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Psalm 129.6 uses an analogy here. It says, grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up. We moved into our house back in June. I would say, I think it was August or so, we had some people over at our house and somebody turns to me and they go, they're like looking up in my gutters, look down at me. That's really cool that you have like plants in your gutters. I'm sitting there, I'm just like, yep, real cool. Just now noticed those. And I, I remember the next day, because I was like, you know, you're embarrassed or whatever. But I remember looking up and going, you know, from the outside looking at those, they look pretty healthy. They looked leafy. Why not start a new trend? But I'll tell you that I walked up on the second floor and out the window and onto the roof and I'm sitting there with a stick that I shoved in my back pocket and I walked out there and literally stuck it in the gutter and went and flicked it out. It looked great from the outside. It looked healthy. It took a second to pull it out. Those hearers are exhilarated by the word. All that enthusiasm, however, obscures that there is no root. John 8.31 says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Paul says in Colossians 1.23, If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Shallow hearers may bask in the emotion of the moment, but then once the feeling is gone, they leave the faith. Shallow hearers are with Jesus for a season, then they leave. More of a fan than a follower. Back in 2016, <clears throat> I witnessed something that was one of the most incredible moments for sports in my life. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series, and it only took 108 years. And I remember sitting there, and I'm like watching the last play, and I'm like, now I'm not like a huge Cubs fan, but I grew up in Illinois and you either love the Chicago Cubs and hated the White Sox or vice versa. If you love both, like you weren't from the area. 
And I remember going, I'm like, my mama had just passed away that October, and it was that first week in November that they won. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, like my wife, who could care less about the Cubs or, you know, that in general. I'm like, do you realize, like, how big of a deal this is? Anyway, but after that, merchandise and ticket sales soared, went through the roof. People had, were grabbing jerseys. They were being, they were sold out everywhere. I went online to try to buy a hat, and, like, they were all sold out. I was, like, blown away. But I can tell you that that 2017 season, they had a meh, mediocre season. And then after that, it just went downhill. So all those fans that probably bought season tickets are on StubHub trying to, like, you know, sell them for a couple bucks to get them off their, off their plate. Fairweather fans. And so I'm thinking after this, I'm like, man, you can easily be a fan of Jesus. Hey, this is cool. I bought the T-shirt. This is great. But I'm here for a time and then I'm gone. Or am I a follower? So a great question is, am I a fan or am I a follower? Here's the third one, the worldly here, a heart too enthralled or true preoccupied with worldly matters. Matthew 13:22 says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. They have every t- potential to be fruitful, but then at some point afterward, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in choking the word and it becomes unfruitful. You know, the soil might be deep, but it's full of all kinds of impurities. You know, just like the farmer produces 30, 60, and even 100 fold, so does the, so does, um, this, so does the fruitful here. And as we um, talk about that, I just want you guys to understand that where, where this, where the shallow, um, or sorry, the weeded, um, weeded here, is so concerned about the, the, the lures of the world, the cares. Like, I have all these distractions. Like, I'm here on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, like, I'm distracted. You know, care, like, obsessed with the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And 1 John 2:15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The wayside, the path here, the hard concrete here, shallow and the worldly distracted here all have one thing in common so those first three soils that we talked about those hears have one thing in common they bring no fruit to maturity so here's the last one the fruitful here this is the final soil is well cultivated and produces the desired crop matthew 13:23 says the prepared heart is one who hears the word and understands it just to paraphrase so this, what is different about this fruitful here? How is their heart? Their heart is ready to hear. And because their heart is ready to hear, it's receiving the message and, and it's producing fruit. So what fruit is it talking about? Galatians 5, 22 through 23 refers to the fruit in the believer's life. What? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You're all singing it. Faithfulness, long-suffering, gentleness, and self-control. And I, I, I love this too. You ever get around somebody who just like naturally just like, I hate this word, but like just naturally like oozes like Jesus. Like you can get with them and you're just like, I want to sit with you. I want to learn from you. Like they just, they just love God. Like I know many of those people in my life. And, and, and Hebrews thirteen fifteen talks about just Jesus being on their lips, like giving thanks to his name. So this fruitful here, fruit should not be, fruit should be much, but not hard to find. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's each person's duty to have a prepared heart, ready to receive 
with meekness the implanted word, as James 1.21 says. It is each person's duty to have a prepared heart, ready to receive with meekness the implanted word, and to nurture the seed to full fruitfulness. Here's the problem. If we just stopped and left, everybody's going to be hung up on, man, I'm that second soil. My heart's hardened to God right now. Or I'm pretty shallow because I have a lot of pain and I'm like ditching Jesus and I'm running the other direction. Or the third one is I got a lot of weeds in my life and I'm really more distracted by everything else than I am focused on God. Or maybe you're finding yourself in the fourth one. The point isn't that we're going, man, I got to do more with my life. If I just left us and we walked out of here, we would all go, I just got to be better. And I'm going to tell you that preparing our heart soil, we can't accomplish that for ourselves. Guys, <laughs> I'll raise my hand. We are, we are already hopelessly broken and unclean. We are a broken people in need of a perfect Jesus. Left to our own hands, we would end up what? We would be the seed on the hard concrete path eaten by birds burnt up in the sun. Only God himself can plow and prepare a heart to receive the word. And how does he do this? Through the work of his Holy Spirit, who convicts us of our sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Romans 8:11 says, For those who believe in Christ, Jesus Christ, he awakens them spiritually. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, He enlightens their minds to the truth. Ezekiel 26 says, He washes them clean and takes our hearts of stone and gives us a new heart. 2 Corinthians 3.3 says, He engraves the truth of God on their hearts. We who believe in Christ are totally dependent on on the presence of the Holy Spirit in our heart to keep us tender, receptive, and ultimately fruitful. We must remain faithfully dependent on Him. Jesus is the plow. He is the one that's going to come in and turn our hearts through his spirit. Guys, we cannot prepare our hearts without Christ. Absolutely, 100% cannot. Left to our own hands, we're the seed on the path, getting trampled, burnt up in the sun, eaten by birds. But I don't know about you, but I want to be that fourth soil ready to hear the word. And the only way that we can possibly do that is by having God plow our hearts to work in our hearts, to, to, to create in us this clean heart. So I'm going to put Psalm 51.10 up on the screen. And I just want to give us a minute to just wrestle with this. And one of our deacons often will pray the Psalms. And I asked him, why do you do this? And he said, because sometimes I don't have words. And I thought, wow. <laughs> How many of you sometimes don't have words? And God just hears you. And sometimes we can pray the Psalms. And so I'm just going to give us a moment. Skylar's just going to play. And I just want you to read that and just do business with God. So wherever your heart is, I don't want you to tell the person next to you. I just want you to talk to God. I just want you to get time with God and just say, God, I am the first soil. I am hard. I need you to plow my heart because I am hard. I am just, I am bucking this. I am pushing against this. I am hard. My heart is hard. I need you to take that heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Or maybe that second soil. Maybe you're finding yourself, it's, it's shallow, like you got no roots. 
and you got a lot of pain in your life. you got a lot of hardship. you got a lot of things that are smacking you left and right. And you're like, Jesus, I need those deep roots so that I can hold on to you when I go through those crazy times in life. Do business with God. Or maybe it's the third one. Listen, I love Jesus, but I am so distracted. I am so lured by everything the world produces. I'm Jesus on a Sunday, but Monday through Saturday I'm distracted. Or maybe you're sitting in the fourth one and you're just like, God, thank you so much for working in my life. We've all been those soils. This isn't to pigeonhole people. We've all been those at one point in our lives. And sometimes we bounce back and forth, but we have to go to Jesus to plow and prepare our hearts. So scholars just going to play and just, I want you to just leave, leave that verse on the screen and just, just wrestle with God. And maybe if it's just even the quietness of your heart, just pray that, just pray that to God. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And renew a right spirit within me, and then I'll close this here in a minute. right now, God, because the when we evaluate our heart soil, God, I know that the types of soil are, are all over the place in this room because that's just the reality of your people. But God, what, what you are not leading us to do after just reading your word is to walk out of here and think, man, I got to work harder. <laughs> I got to be better. I got to be a better person. God, what you're asking is for us to get on our knees and to go to you, the God of the universe, and ask you to plow our hearts. Make us tender. Make us receptive to your word. We need your Holy Spirit to lead us, to illuminate. So many of us are just now, the last month or last year, we've, we, we've accepted you as our Savior, Jesus, and we're, we're jumping in and we're reading the Bible and we're trying to understand it. And we're like looking at it going, it's like that picture of my backyard. It's like that dark picture. You keep telling me something's here, but I can't see it. Jesus, you're asking us to just keep coming to you. Just keep coming to you. Just keep coming to you. Lord, I I don't know where everybody's at. I don't know what, what the soil looks like in everybody's heart. But I do know that at the end of the day, wherever we're at, we can come to you and ask you to plow our hearts, to prepare our hearts as we receive your word, as we learn from you, as we walk with you. And I'm so thankful that we don't walk out of here gone, man. We just need to be better. We just need to be better at life. But God, we can come to you and just say, hey, I got some weeds. I got some distractions. I need deeper roots. Or I'm just flat out hard to you. And I need your help to plow the heart and soil in me so that I can be receptive and tender to you, hear from you, walk with you. And Lord, I know there are people here this morning who are going, I don't know where my heart's at. (laughs) 
I don't know where my soil is at. I just want to know you. I don't, I'm open, but I just want to know you. And so if you're here this morning and you're like, I want to know Jesus. I've been listening. I've been reading. I've been digging in. But I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I will go to heaven when I leave this earth. If that is you this morning, you can pray just along with me. It's something so simple. You just say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for loving me, for saving me, for transforming my life because of your death and resurrection on the cross. I give my life to follow you now and forevermore. Help me to grow. Plant that seed in my heart and help me working in my heart to change the soil in my heart from making it hard to making it good, fertile soil that grows to become more like you, Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you just got a lot going on and you're just wrestling with a lot of stuff, would you would you just look up at me just so I can remember you in a prayer? Hey, praise God. Lord, be with your people as a lot of people got stuff, family dynamics, hard hearts. <laughs> relationships they're struggling with finances god we know we got people with with diseases with sicknesses and especially with our culture the way it is right now god we're um we're struggling on the cusp of of a little bit of paranoia um god because something real is is in a lot of places is not too far i pray we would not become hard to you but that we would come more faithfully dependent on you that we would lean in through the pain Jesus, I lift up this church to you. Those who are here, those who are not here, lift up Pastor Ken and the crew in Newcastle. God, as we leave here, that we know that we walk with you. And that it is you who plows the soil of our hearts to become more receptive to you. It is not more works, more deeds, because on our best day, our deeds are like filthy rags, as Scripture tells us. Jesus, you are the great gardener. We just want to walk with you. We want to learn from you. We want to be more like you. And we know that at some points you have to garden our hearts. You have to plow our hearts so we can become more like you. So we depend on you. We lean on you. We trust you with our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Guys, enjoy that sunshine today. And hopefully on the way home you guys can look up Creating Me a Clean Heart by Keith Green. It's a wonderful song. We love you guys. Thanks for being here. We'll see you all next week.